0: Podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And we have a special surprise today. Um, you guys have all heard us talk about the Pod Father. He is the one, the only, and he is joining us today. <laughs> don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs>
1: we rolled out the red carpet.
2: <laughs> Why? Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity.
0: <laughs> you were forced into this. Don't lie. That's true. So I just asked enough until my father caved in. So for anyone listening backwards, this is my father joining. Um, he's got a lot to say.
1: Oh boy. Well, you had to get it from somebody, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, like father, like daughter, right?
2: Let's not just say I have a lot to say. I'm I'm waiting to to respond. I have a lot
0: of Listen, you respond quite frequently.
2: Usually it's a critique.
0: Oh, okay. You critique quite frequently. Critique, tweak. critique. Tweak. Tweak. Yep. All right. Well, uh, hi. Welcome to episode fifty-two, our one-year episode. Oh, I so, wore a special shirt for the occasion. Oh, wait yeah. Oh, I love it. Anyways, uh, how how are you, Amanda? We'll start there. I'm Unless good. I start with my dad. Maybe. I'm yeah. Wait. Good. Hey, Dad. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> undo. Oh. Undo. How are you, Dad?
2: I'm good, I'm good with, uh, looking forward to um, what y'all have to say
0: you don't have to be so professional <laughs> yes you did. can is you an turn off your professional voice please
2: uh I'll let you get started and I'm sure okay. it will disappear
0: <laughs> okay okay uh maybe I should have told you to grab a drink before we started so that we didn't hear the professional voice oh I mean, I'm just saying. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, Amanda, we can go to you now. How are you? I'm pretty good.
1: I did um, almost nothing. Almost nothing. I did a lot of research.
0: Okay. Actually, that's not true.
1: I did a lot of house chores, too.
0: Okay, well, there you have it. You did a lot of stuff. That's okay. depressing. Oh, well, could be worse. What was I going to say? Oh. I was just going to so since my dad is on, I made the executive decision that this week we are going to shout out Utah again because why not?
1: It's our podcast. We do what we want.
0: Yeah. Our show, our yeah. choice. Um, not that I consulted Amanda on this. I just did it. So. I just went with it. <laughs> she just accepts things. Um, so thanks for those of you that have been coerced into listening because you're in Salt Lake and either feel like you need to listen or I have bugged you enough that you are going to listen so oh you're you're
2: welcome welcome. you're welcome
0: I appreciate
2: (laughs) it I listen three or four times just to get like so it's like three or four users
0: oh yeah three or four actually no that's not how it works it gives us it tells us when we have unique users listeners
2: oh I've been wasting my time then
0: yep sorry <laughs> i guess you're gonna have to start telling your employees to listen to us
2: yeah probably
0: just be like listen you listen i don't even care if it's muted just press play anyways we're just we'll download it
2: as a, as a training video
0: <laughs> Training hey, video. I, I like that it. i like it um well like we said at the beginning this is our one-year episode and so i did course my dad into joining um, I just asked him like six times and we were good. We're golden. Uh, <laughs> but we just wanted to do that. Uh we are ready. We're excited. We made it to one year. I don't know how, but we did it.
1: I think we just kept going. I think we're oh, both yeah. just stubborn.
2: That sounds right. When was the first episode? Do you do you remember?
0: October thirtieth, twenty twenty one. Dang.
1: I thought yep. it was 31st. I thought it was Halloween. Did we do the
0: oh, 30th? I don't I know. Whatever was... the Sunday was. Let me scroll back through calendar. January, December, November, October. It was the 31st. It was Halloween.
1: You don't even remember our anniversary. <laughs> oh,
0: sorry,
2: yeah, I suck. Pretty typical, of Bryce.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. So we do have our Discord channel up and going. So if you guys want to join, talk true crime, paranormal, just talk shit, go ahead and join there. Um, that is up and going. There are links on our link tree instagram and twitter for those for discord we also have our patreon up and going and we have some specials planned out so amanda and i are working on those um you do get early access to episodes when you join patreon and other blooper reels and other stuff like that so all right anything else i need to cover amanda before we get into the story that i'm super excited about i think that's all okay no i think got it all okay all right. So for those of you listening, my dad used to be a police officer. And so he, he may or may not have experience with this specific case I'm talking about. And so I'm excited to hear his stories. Ditto. So Amanda, I obviously I know my dad has uh, had experience with this, but have you heard about the murder of Lori Hacking?
1: Yes. That oh. name sounds familiar, but I can't place the case.
0: Okay, well, we're going to talk about it. So, well, I'm going to listen. So glad you're going to listen. You didn't really have a choice. But Thelma and Harold Soares met while on a mission for the LDS Church in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, they fell in love, got married, settled down in Fullerton, California. Um, and this is where they adopt a little girl who is named Lori K. Soares. Lori was born on December 31st, December 31st, 1976. Uh, she grew up for a little while in the, the California area until Harold and Thelma, her parents, divorced in 1987. In 1988, Thelma and Lori moved to Orem, Utah. And overall, Lori was described as like a good kid. She was really smart, really sweet, very outgoing. She had been voted class president in her junior high school years. Like she was just very, very popular and outgoing Uh, okay yeah I wasn't even
1: near being voted class president
0: oh neither was I dad were you (laughs) class president
2: no I was not
0: she would go on to attend Orem high school Uh, she had her typical experience as a teenager and she actually goes on to meet Mark Douglas Hacking while they were in school together in 1994 uh, Lori and Mark fall in love, they become high school sweethearts, and they get married in 1999 at about the age of 23, um, or at least Lori was the age 23. Um, and from what everyone saw, that couple had a happy marriage. They were very caring towards each other, very affectionate. Uh, Mark was described as the type of guy that would like put the lights on his mother-in-law's tree and house every year, and he would stop and help someone on the freeway that was having car issues. It didn't really matter. He was just that type of person. Lori had graduated from the University of Utah's business school with a bachelor's degree. She was actually accepted into their master's program as well. So, I mean, going good. Smart cookie. Right. Mark had been studying and working on his undergrad from the University of Utah because he was going to, his goal was to go to medical school. So he wanted to get his doctorate and become a doctor.
1: So another smart cookie. Yeah. Okay
0: in the summer of 2004 lori finds out she's pregnant they were trying to expand their family that was on the radar for them and this is also the same year that mark graduates from the university of utah with honors so he graduates and things are going really well Well, in 2004 mark had also been accepted for medical school at the university of north carolina and so the couple was planning to move to north carolina like He had just gotten accepted to medical school. That's really incredible. Um, And they had started packing. Like, everything was ready to go. Lori had put in her notice at the bank she was working for. Like, they were ready. On July 19th, 2004, Lori goes missing after she goes out for her morning jog. Just after 10 a.m., Mark calls Lori's work to ask if she had shown up to work. He's acting really concerned. He's like, telling them, like, she went on her morning jog but never came home. I don't know what's happening. And Lori's co-workers are like, no, she didn't show up, but you should probably call the police. And so they're urging Mark to call the police. And Mark does go on to call the police at 10.46 a.m. And he does report Lori missing. He tells police that he found Lori's car in the Memory Grove parking lot, which is where she would typically go on her jogs. And he said he ran three miles each way searching for Lori. So he's like, I went out and I searched. I went three miles this way, three miles that way. And I was looking for her.
1: Is there a reason he didn't like take a car?
0: I, well, I think he ran on the path itself. Like he drove okay. over and then he went one way and then went back the other way. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. I'm just lazy. Yes. I also thought that and thought, why would he run? That's because you've got to think if he goes three miles one direction, he has to come back that three miles as well. So he's saying he's gone like a total of six miles there.
1: I'm tired. 12 miles. I'm tired just hearing it.
0: Yeah. With this, the police really do, they jump into action really quickly because this was actually not long after the kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart. And so they're like, all right, um, we don't want anything else. We've got to figure out what's going on. We've got to find her. Uh, We have not covered the case of Elizabeth Smart yet. That will eventually be covered but not today so you have all these police and volunteers stepping in to help search and you have the frantic and worried mark who begins to speak in front of cameras and he's very distraught and he's worried and he's making pleas to help find lori and he's he's reaching out now as he's doing that again volunteers begin helping search for lori Um, There are some sources that stated there were at least 1,200 volunteers that had come to help with the search. There were also some sources that stated that close friends and family of Lori's came in from out of state the day they found out that she was missing. So July 19th, they booked a ticket, didn't care, and they got to Utah.
1: So I'm hearing that this was just a really good woman, like probably Uh a really good person, had a lot of people cared for
0: From what I understood, yeah, she was a really good person. Mm -hmm. Um, She was also about five weeks pregnant at the time.
1: Oh, God. Okay.
0: So, I mean... Even I had prior, forgotten
1: about that. Jesus.
0: Yes. So, the investigation begins, and police can start piecing together some very interesting clues. So, as I stated, they were packing to move, so when, when um, investigators go to actually search, do, like, their routine search of the Hacking's resident, they're like, there's just boxes everywhere, so they're Kind of going through things, they stated that the bathtub in the home was just immaculate and it smelled like bleach. Like out of all the things, that was immaculate. They also were like, "Well, there's a brand new pair of sheets on this bed too. Like it still had the nice, clean, brand new sheets pressed line, like where it had been folded in the packaging." They're just they're looking and they're like, "Well, her wedding ring is also still here. Does that seem weird?" To me, that doesn't seem weird. I don't wear my wedding ring when I'm going out on a jog, but. They did to say me it was it, still weird.
1: Yeah, I would say yep. it was weird. I literally wear mine all the time unless I'm in the shower. At least oh. the, the band. I don't wear the engagement ring, but the band I wear all the time.
0: I See, and I don't wear it at all when I do anything that's exercise.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If I'm going to be sweating, it's not going to be on my finger. I mean, they start doing interviews. Mark tells them, like, there's nothing wrong. And there's no problems in the marriage and blah, blah, blah. So they also... Find something very interesting. They find in the apartment. They find Lori's purse. Wallet and car keys.
1: So are you just. Not going to lock the doors. When you leave.
0: Okay but her car is not there. Her car is at Memory Grove Park. Why are her car keys. In the
3: apartment. And this guy's dumb. (laughs)
0: Okay, As long as you know. (laughs) <laughs> so, this really kind of triggers the police to be like, hmm, interesting. Um, and even one investigator claims, like, after talking with Mark, they're like, he feels like he's fake crying and they very much aren't sure of his story. Uh, one investigator claimed to ask him how to spell oncology and he couldn't spell it. And I but feel like, like that's the easiest, easiest one to spell out of all of the colleges.
1: Yeah. And especially, like, come on, dude, you graduated with honors.
0: Right. Well, um, allegedly. So, they also find in Mark's car a receipt for a brand new mattress. Now, what's really interesting. So remember how I said he called her work at, just after ten, and then he mm-hmm. called the police at like ten forty five ish. This receipt is uh, time stamped for ten twenty three a. m. that day for a brand new mattress.
1: Okay, so he just wanted everything to be nice for when she came home. Nice new mattress, new sheets. That's not...
0: Yeah. That's not weird. I mean, this, this is so also the time where he was telling police that he had run three miles each direction to find... Oh, her.
1: so he did drive.
0: Yeah, he drove. He just, really. he just had
1: a mattress in the trunk.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay, okay.
3: So... Um...
0: And when the police are like, well, what's going on with this? He, Mark, tells authorities, oh, Lori started her period and there was period blood all over the bed. So we were just replacing the whole mattress.
1: That is such a man thing to say.
0: What (laughs) are your thoughts on that, Dad?
2: Oh, him! You would understand that he's stupid. Okay.
1: (laughs) It's starting to sound that way. I don't know him, but there's a lot of puzzle pieces, like, fitting together right now
3: yeah so
0: (laughs) mark is yeah so they also state like the investigators make it a point to say that they he only bought a new mattress there wasn't a replacement for the box spring like his like it was just the mattress um they also realize that when they're searching the car oddly enough the car that was found in memory grove park The seat was adjusted, not for Lori, who was about five foot four, but it was adjusted so that someone much taller would have driven that. So, I mean, they're piecing together things pretty quickly here. They also found, um, I mean, they keep doing searches in the couple's home and they also find a bloody hunting knife in the couple's bedroom. Uh, They find evidence of blood on their headboard. And they even find a very intriguing typed letter that seemed to be from Lori to Mark that read, quote, I want to grow old with you, but I can't do it under these conditions. I hate coming home from work because it hurts to be home in our apartment. I can't imagine life with you if things don't change. I got someone I don't want to spend the rest of my life with unless changes are made. So that's just a little snippet.
1: This is a lot of this. This isn't looking very good for him.
0: Well, he's an idiot. Um, I would say unclear. so. It is unclear when this letter was, if or when this letter was given to Mark. Uh, they don't know a date. It's not timestamped. There's no date. Um, but they're they're kind of interested on this. Um, I mean, they search nearby dumpsters for clues. They're looking everywhere. Uh, one officer was like, oh, well, we found the packaging for the new sheets and the mattress in a dumpster. Like, this is weird. And when they asked, and that's the only thing they found in the dumpster. And when they asked, Mark tells officers, oh, yeah, the the trash collector comes on Mondays. And it just happened to be a Monday. So it was Monday, July 19th. Hmm. So, I mean, very convenient. Uh, Officers, I mean, obviously, they're very, very interested in what's happening. And they actually go on and they find the couple's old mattress in a church, church dumpster, but it had the top cut off of it so that's why
1: not, yeah mm-hmm. that's oh because of the period blood remember yeah why
0: why would you leave that on i,
1: I guess you just don't want to embarrass her
0: i know right um so investigators do try to close landfills but they were kind of stopped right in the beginning because they're like it's going to cost too much for us to close a landfill to search for this woman and we have no evidence that we would need to do that right and I mean, these officers are just like, he's involved. He's involved. There's something we just, there's stuff in the garbage and there's, there's everything that we need to point to this.
1: So uh, what about the blood from the hunting knife? Were they able to send that off or were they still waiting on the results?
0: This is still July 19th. So this is the same day.
1: Oh, so they haven't even, they probably haven't even sent it off
0: yet. Oh yeah. They're still, they're like, what is happening?
1: Wow. Either he's really dumb or these cops (laughs) are really good.
0: I'm going to say both. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, Dad. Did you know the investigators for this one? I don't know who you knew.
2: No, I didn't know any of them.
0: Okay. Um, Now, from day one, investigators are like, hmm, interesting. Um, Mark sure seems to have had something to do with her disappearance. We just don't know what yet. Now, that was July 19th. On July 20th, at around 2 a.m., police receive a call. About one naked Mark Hacking running through the streets. Uh huh. He was running around outside of a hotel wearing only his sandals. And police. Interesting choice immune. of
1: clothing to require of yourself, but okay.
0: Well, police, uh, he gets picked up and he gets admitted to um, a psych ward at the hospital. And when police go to interview him, they're like, he was watching cartoons and eating pizza, like it was no big deal. And he maintained, Lori went jogging at 530 and she never came back. Now, to the untrained eye, this might have looked like a manic episode or a mental breakdown. Could have been caused from his wife's disappearance. For others, this was far from a mental breakdown.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a sleepover.
0: (laughs) FBI (laughs) profiler Candace DeLong later noted, Quote, he kept his shoes on, his sandals. That's not generally something we see in someone truly psychotic. He did not want to hurt his feet.
1: Hey, but if you fall face first, you're going to hurt a lot more.
0: Well, he's got to have his feet to keep him steady. Or his shoes to keep him steady.
1: I guess. You really don't want to step on any nails.
0: Yeah. You get well, also- from that. <laughs> well, also, while Mark was in the hospital...
1: He
3: uh contacted an attorney. A defense attorney.
1: Monday. Sounds pretty sane to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, why not? Uh so he contacted defense attorney uh Gilbert athy Oh no, D. Gilbert Athy. And by July twenty first, two thousand and four, Lori's family learns that Mark has a very deep web of lies going. Remember that medical school in North Carolina?
1: Is this why he doesn't know how to spell oncology?
0: (laughs) The school would go on to contact local authorities and they make it very clear Mark was not enrolled in their school, nor had he ever even applied. They had no connection to him. He had not applied, not been accepted. In no way was he affiliated with this school. (laughs) Not only that, but Mark hadn't even graduated from the U of U. He had actually dropped out in 2002.
1: Nobody knew this?
0: He So, during the graduation ceremony, he feigned illness. He had made himself so sick. Like, even Lori's mother, who was like, he should have been at the graduation in 2004. Uh, he was puking, though. So, she's like, I don't know what he took, but he took something to cause him to be sick. Because he just, could have just stuck a finger at least down his the throat. Belief. That's the belief. Uh, After 2002, yeah, he dropped out, but he did maintain this facade of him going to school. He pretended to go to uh, attend classes. He had textbooks he would study. He would write term papers. He, I mean, he even traveled across the country to these fake interviews at different medical schools.
1: Okay, at this point, if you are buying textbooks and studying, just go to school. I, what? (laughs) Are you kidding me? This guy's dumb in all the worst ways.
0: Well, maybe it's because he didn't know what he didn't know how to say or read the word oncology. Maybe he just but stared at him.
1: maybe he didn't get that book.
0: <laughs> um plus his heart. I mean, even Lori's mom was like, he kept textbooks in our house. Like he kept these in our home. Um
1: that's expensive and
0: just irresponsible financially. Right. And Like I said, he also, he did travel across the country. Lori and him paid for him to go to these fake interviews at these medical schools. Like he, he went the full nine yards. He went with him? No.
1: Oh, okay. Because you've
0: got to remember, like she's helping support him through medical school. Yeah, she has her bachelor's degree. But she's also still trying to keep them going. And that's an expensive thing to fly across the country. But I mean, he went multiple places. like. One documentary I watched said there were several trips that they could not afford. But he he went to go do these interviews.
3: God, I would be pissed. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So he traveled ac- across the country to these fake interviews. In the hours where he should have been studying for medical exams, he could be found hanging out at like the local neighborhood store. Um, he would get sodas and his smokes, his camel menthols. And he told the clerks that he was a therapist and asked them to never reveal his smoking to his wife. So he didn't want Lori to know he was smoking. They're very religious, LDS, that's frowned upon in the LDS church.
1: What did being a therapist have to do with that? I don't know. Maybe he was confused about the HIPAA violation.
0: I don't know. Um, HIPAA violation doesn't really count to these store clerks.
1: Yeah, that's my point. Maybe he was confused. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
0: Well, now a clerk from one of those local stores uh, close to Mark and Laurie's home, they contact police and they're like, we saw them the night before her disappearance. Like, she's on CCTV. We can show you the video. Blah, blah, blah. Um, And, I mean, ultimately, all of this is just, like, crazy web of lies, right? Mark's own family is shocked by this. They're like, what do you mean he wasn't accepted into medical school? What do you mean? His family? Yeah, his family. Oh, His family was, like, They were very big on education. They valued it. Uh, His father was actually a pediatrician and his mom was a nurse. And both of his brothers were engineers. Or multiple of his brothers were engineers. So, like, they're big on this college education. You've got to go blah, 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 so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, what do you mean? He was going to school to be a doctor. Like, what do you mean he's lying?
1: All the lying is starting to make sense then.
0: Literally no one knew. Like, no one knew about anything around this deception. Well. That is, no one knew until potentially July 16th, just three days before Lori's disappearance. On July 16th, Lori had made a call to the University of North Carolina to inquire about potential financial aid. Oh boy. The admissions office had told her that there was no mark hacking enrolled or had even applied. She was very distraught. Coworkers state that sh- they had seen her crying and she had even left work early that day.
1: Because they're set to move at this point, right? You said she had already packing like
0: packing boxes,
1: and she had like told her job like, "Bye, gotta go." Yeah. Oh. Okay.
0: Yeah. So they knew something was wrong. They didn't necessarily know what, but they knew something. Um. But also, coworkers note that that same night, that Friday night, they had thrown a going away party for Lori. And they said she seemed fine. Her and Mark attended together. They were having fun. They weren't arguing. Like they had a good time. And so they really had no reason to think, oh, this like there's an argument going on, blah, 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 blah. Well, Mark reportedly told Lori that the admissions office had made a mistake. So he's playing this off. He's like, Lori, do you think I'd lie to you? And he's playing this off as this is them. This isn't them problem. I was accepted. I'm going to school. This is them. He tells them there was, or he tells Lori there was a computer glitch that left him out of their system temporarily, but not to worry. He took care of it. He called the admissions office and personally took care of it.
1: But just him, nobody else.
0: Yeah, just him. Well, Lori actually had called back that Friday night at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, which, I mean, that's a two hour difference. So it was already after, not 5 p.m. She called after 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So the admissions office is closed. But she leaves them a voice message. And just says, oh, Mark said he contacted you, blah, 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 blah. It kind of talks about, like, oh, this is what Mark told me. And, I mean, pretty crazy, right? You said on Friday? Yeah, so Friday. She called back back Friday. It was like, oh, okay, Mark told me he took care of this. This is likely how they knew about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So they, I mean... This story became international. People knew from like day one what was going on with Lori hacking. But on top of that, she had left this voicemail saying, oh, Mark said he called and it was computer glitch and blah, 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 blah. And so the school, that's how the school knew to call authorities and be like, no, no, he's not affiliated with us. A lot of people speculate that this call that Lori made to the school kind of triggered this downward spiral for Mark. Because now his web of lies is about to collapse. On July 24th, just five days after Lori's disappearance, Mark is in a a psychiatric ward and he's visited by two of his brothers. And Mark confesses to two of his brothers what had happened. On the night of July 18th, 2004, Mark and Lori got into an argument when he finally told her the truth about school. He finally tells her, you're right, I'm not actually accepted to that medical school. Just kidding good for you. Yep.
1: Proud of you, kind
0: of. They, they argue Lori would go to bed, Mark would go on to play his Nintendo for a couple hours, do some packing, and he would go on to find a 22 caliber rifle. Why are they
1: still packing? I'm sorry.
0: Mark is committed. Like, the, these were packed already, and he, he's just continuing to pack. And the, also on the other part is regardless of what lie he's told they're in an apartment. Their lease they could have ended their lease already and someone might be moving in. So they might oh. not even have a choice on if they're moving. Like it, they might they might have their hands tied. One way or another they might be moving.
1: Wow, this guy. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, Mark finds this 22 rifle and he would shoot her in her head while she slept. Oh, he would leave her body in a dumpster and he wrapped her in Uh, I think it said a carpet it's later on in my notes for some reason but he would leave her in the dumpster and cut the top of the mattress and start cleaning. Now Mark's brothers the two that he confided to did either they went to the attorney and the attorney went to the police or they went to the police. So they share this confession and the police are informed and Mark is arrested under suspicion of aggravated murder on August 2nd, 2004. On August 9th, 2004, Mark is charged with first degree murder and his bail is set to $1 million. He was also charged with three second degree felony counts of obstructing justice. So police, with this information, knowing that Mark left Lori's body in a dumpster, They begin their search of the landfill. So they find the area where they believe Lori's body is left is about 10 acres. That's a lot that they have to search. Holy crap. And in the two days uh, between, in that area, but the two days between July, whatever days it was, July 19th and 20th, the landfill said they received about 4,000 tons of waste, just in those two days. Okay. So they call off the volunteer efforts done. We're not looking for her there anymore because we know where we're looking. And you have about three dozen officers as well as like um, the search and rescue people, like the people that were involved in 9-11 searching the fallen towers. They're involved in this effort as well.
1: I'm assuming they had like the dogs and stuff too, the cadaver dogs. Okay. They
0: did have cadaver dogs and they begin searching uh, the the landfill. So
2: Bryce, what was the date they found? The, the remains.
0: So that's actually my next bullet. It continues for a couple months until October 1st, 2004, and at 8.20am they discover parts of Lori's remains. Parts? Um, I believe it was just a jawbone for the most part, and teeth, but not her entire body.
1: So is this where the hunting knife with the blood on it comes in?
0: No, the Her, I mean, she's in a landfill, so things being moved around just caused additional deterioration Mm -hmm. um, to her body. At least that's what the source I'm going off of with this said. Other sources said that they found most of her body, but most of my sources said said they only found her jaw. Okay. Um, They also had found the shirt that she could be seen wearing on that CCTV footage from the local store. And so they were fairly certain it was her when they found the remains. Um, later that day, still on October 1st, they did get confirmation that uh, it was in fact Lori.
2: No, I just know that the they found most of the remains, not a full skeletal um, okay. set.
0: Yeah, so most of the remains.
1: I mean, I was hoping for better, but like you said, she's in a dump and then it takes months. So the elements, the animals, the shuffling. hmm God. Okay.
0: Well, on October 29th, 2004, Mark Hacking pleads not guilty to first degree murder.
1: What? Please tell me he goes for insanity. Please.
0: That's the belief that he was going to do. I mean, Lori's brother, Paul, he says he begged. Mark, he's like, just save everyone the grief and the cost, just plead guilty. Like, we know you did it, you admit to it. Just save everyone the grief, which he would. And on April 15th, 2005, Mark goes on to plead guilty to first degree murder in exchange for dropping the three second degree murder charges.
1: That feels like a hell of a deal.
0: Right?
3: I don't get it. Well, I mean, he's pleading guilty to first
0: degree murder.
1: Yeah, but why did they okay. Just let him rot as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. Well, there are a lot of statements so Lori was she had told everyone she was pregnant, but unfortunately her obviously her body was too far decomposed by the time they found her that they couldn't actually verify if she had been pregnant or not. So because of this, he didn't face the death penalty from what I understood. If they had been able to, it sounds like they would have tried for the death penalty. Does that sound right, Dad?
2: Yeah, I think that that's accurate. Okay.
1: Makes sense. I, didn't... I keep ignoring, like, I keep blacking out the fact that she was pregnant because that's, yeah. like, a whole nother.
0: And she was early on, yes, but she, they were trying to expand their family. Yeah. So so Mark would go on to tell the courts, uh, I intentionally shot Lori Hacking in the head with a twenty two rifle on July 19th, 2004. So that is his, his guilt he's confessing. So on. On June 6th, 2005, Mark is sentenced to a term of six years to life in prison. What? (laughs) So he is sentenced to a term of six years to life in prison. He told the court at his sentencing, quote, she was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, but I killed her and took the life of my unborn child and put them in the garbage. And I can't explain why I did it. Now, I, I know you're asking what's with the six years. I had to call yeah. and ask my dad some clarity questions way back when. When I asked him, um, at the time, this was the maximum that the judge could give for that sentence for the state of Utah.
1: Well, if you were ever going to kill somebody, that was
0: the time. Well, I mean, it's a range. That doesn't mean he'll get out in six years.
2: Yeah, it doesn't work like you get six years and that's what it is. It's uh, a mandatory, like a minimum. Yeah, so they just say six years to life because he has to serve a minimum of six, but more likely than not, it's going to be closer to life. I just Um, feel like
1: they shouldn't even give him that chance.
3: Well,
2: I I understand that, but that's the way a lot of um, sentencing laws are in, in the country right now. Yeah,
0: well, there was a lot of public outrage about this. They were not happy that it was six years to life. Um, so basically the Utah board of pardons would release, um, a statement that there was no way that he was getting out sooner than 30 years. He was going to serve 30 years before he would even be considered for parole.
3: Good. Okay. Um, that, that
1: makes me feel better.
0: Yes. So they, I mean, they released a statement. They're like, no, 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 no. Like, I know you guys are upset that the judge could only sentence him to six years to life. But the parole board, board of pardons, they were like, "We choose how long he stays." We like, got we're your doing back. This second piece, Um And Dad, obviously, speak up if I'm saying anything incorrectly here.
2: Oh, I will. So far, you're oh. good. Yeah,
0: just okay, go like ah, wrong. Ah, eh, eh. <laughs> Sounds all right. So, like I said, this caused like public outcry and they would go on to release or to amend the law so that they actually call this Lori's law so that the life sentence for the life sentence, the minimum sentence for this or maximum sentence is 15 years to life now instead of six. So the following year, they actually put that into law.
3: That sounds much
0: better. Yes. Yep. So a, a lot of things are happening. He's told by parole board, he won't Be even considered for parole until 2035. And that's just being considered. That does not mean he's going to be released. And on July 6, 2005, I'm sorry, June 6, 2005, Mark Hacking's father read a statement from his family um, that basically says this is going to be their last statement to the press about the murder. They don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, this is the Hacking family. And this is what the quote said. I know prison is where I need, uh, I'm sorry, this is a statement from, to, I'm sorry, let me clarify this. Mark Hacking's father read this statement for his family, but it was a statement from Mark. Does that make more sense?
1: Yes, gotcha. Okay,
0: cool, okay. And it said, I know prison is where I need to be. I will spend my life there doing all I can to right the many wrongs I have done, though I realize complete atonement is impossible in this life. I have a lot of healing and changing to do, but I hope that someday I can become the man Lori always thought I was. To the many people I have hurt, I am more sorry than you can ever know. Every day my soul burns in torment when I think of what you must be going through. I wish I could take away your pain. I wish I could take back all the lies I have told and replace them with the truth. I wish I could put Lori back into your arms. My pain is deserved. Yours is not. From the bottom of my heart, I beg for your forgiveness. There is no such thing as a harmless lie, no matter how small it is. You may think a lie only hurts the liar, but this is far from the truth. If you are traveling a path of lies, please stop now and face the consequences. Whatever those consequences, they will be better than the pain of you causing yourself and others. Or you are causing yourself and others.
1: I think he's full of it. I mean, he's already proved himself to be a pretty, what, charismatic, lying Mm -hmm. doo-doo head.
3: Well, would
0: you like to know what he did in 2006?
1: I would love to.
0: Okay. Prison officials... Find out that Mark Hacking is selling personal items, including autographs, hand tracing, various prison forms and magazines in an online site called Murder Auction.
1: Mm-hmm. How? How long had he been doing this?
0: Couldn't have been very long. He would have only been in prison for about a year at that point.
1: Well, and
3: they
0: he check his in mail. In and... prison. He was but in they, jail.
1: Yeah, that they check their mail and stuff in prison,
0: right? Assuming he got pretty quick, caught pretty quick. Officials announced that he agreed to stop selling anything online, but I'm getting the feeling that's just the, the nice way of putting it. Yeah.
1: He's disgusting.
0: Yep. So he is currently offender uh, an offender that is incarcerated at the Central Utah Correctional Facility in Gunnison, Utah. Uh, the Source family removed the name Hacking from Lori's headstone. Her mother oh. stated, quote, we just felt that Mark obviously didn't want her anymore.
1: Okay, that at first I was like, "Oh, good for them," and then that just kind of
0: well, broke my heart. Her married name was re- replaced with the Portuguese word "beijina," which translates translates to "little daughter." Oh, that's precious. Yes, Lori's mother states she has forgiven Mark, um, not necessarily excusing his actions. She just says when she thinks about it, she doesn't feel anger, but she feels anguish instead. So. She goes on to explain that that forgiveness was not for Mark, but it was for her own her own personal need to forgive him, to move forward. Um, the family also, the family and uh, Utah, uh, not Utah, the U of U, uh, University of Utah, have set up the Lori K. Source Hacking Memorial Scholarship um, for the... Eccles School of Business, Um, again, same school that Lori attended, and today that university still awards one student this scholarship annually, and it covers the cost of their junior and senior years of school, Um, and Lori's mother states that the recipients are women who have overcome difficult circumstances to get into college, so one example is a recipient came from the Ukraine, another came from Haiti, just these women that are struggling, and they award it to one, one person a year um but that is still ongoing they're still doing that that reward mark is still locked up and that is that is the case of lori hacking um but i'm fairly certain if i remember correctly father you had personal experiences
2: so at the time that this happened i was um working with the salt lake county sheriff's office and i was assigned to the uh, metro jail and I don't think um, all the, you know, uh, the facts and, you know, the media accounts and stuff like that really uh, account for how um, deviant this crime was. Uh, I, I know that it was a, a homicide and that's horrible in any, any state, but, um, you know, he went out of his way for his own personal reasons and every, you know, throughout the story bryce i think that you you nailed that there was always something that pointed back to his own selfish um needs or you know whatever it was that was driving him um he he was assigned to the jail and so there was times that i would um you know i'd have to go in and you know you're you're dealing with these people all the time and you know most of them are are pretty decent and, and respectful when you're uh having conversations with them and you know usually you go through and that's a two-way street and in some cases it was always that way with mark he was very polite he was very um came off as very uh respectful and and always wanted to paint the picture that hey he's this good guy and that's the way he wanted people to remember him and that's how he wanted to be known which, and this is everything that I'm telling you now, Bryce is either my own experience with them or my my own opinion. But, uh, you know, there was times that we would have female officers in the housing units and he would flip a switch and you would see this whole other side of him where he was very manipulative. He was trying to be very charismatic and he could be very charismatic um, he knew exactly what he was doing and why he was doing it. And he, I don't think he has any remorse for what he did. Um, you know, to kind of paint a picture of you know really what what took place is when we talk about where he alleged that she went missing um, to to kind of describe it is it's it's kind of a triangular area in shape but it's a very deep ravine and it um, is surrounded by three different freeways Um, and a lot of people use that to to walk their dogs go jogging because you can get down below the freeway there and and it's like being in a you know a woodsy area uh, that type of stuff um and so he had thought about this extensively that he was going to say that she went missing in this area. and he thought about it because he knew that it would be difficult to find her. However, he, he did realize that it's a confined area um, because there's not, I mean, it's only so, so big. Um, and that's why he was constantly transitioning and he was on television. I, I remember seeing him on television and uh, he was wearing a bandana on his head and he was crying, you know, begging for, um People to provide any information they had and as more and more of the details came out you could just kind of see like where this was going and you know for as we were listening to this and finding out hey you know there's possibility that the body was put in the dumpster and went to the landfill um would have to be someone who had no feeling um and and this is just my opinion but cared for that individual to begin with to dispose of them like trash and um you know that that statement that he gave his family uh again this is my opinion but uh hacking is a coward that's why he he didn't give that statement himself he wanted to give it to his family because they're the ones that are genuine and authentic not him and then he gets into prison and he's. You know he's doing all these things and i'm sure he's probably up to to more things um you know for his own selfish needs but uh he was not a good human being um he was someone that if you've ever come across someone that is um i don't really know how to describe it but there's something off about them and you get that weird tingly sensation um he used to give that to me constantly uh and that would be, I, I didn't like being around him. I didn't like talking to him. I didn't like anyone else talking to him. Um, you know, and, and there was times that, you know, he and I did exchange words and, um, you know, I, I had no problem sharing my opinion of, of what he did and you know, where he should go. Um, but he didn't seem to care. He, he would have those discussions and he would just kind of laugh at me and laugh them off. Um, but he you know to say that he's where he belongs is he's lucky he's where he's at because that's that's no place um I mean there's no place in this world for someone who doesn't have any compassion for another human being um at all to the point where they discard them like trash and you, you can only imagine what that family um went through even to this day to know their their loved one their you know their sister their daughter their cousin whatever the case may be is was discarded in a landfill for one sole purpose so that he would not get caught he discarded
0: i mean i don't know if you noticed but i did pull up a map and i'm sharing it on my screen right now of the oh, area i just keep clicking around so sorry go on dad
2: so um you know in the in the landfill you know that's where um and i don't know how they do it in in other counties or states or you know whatever the case may be but here um they discard you know there's an area where they put a specific area where they even put horses when we have to put horses down they have a very a designated area for that and for him to discard her as like just trash, um, uh, you know, is is disturbing all by itself. And um, you know, I I did look at the pictures Bryce in the in the folder, and you can look at those pictures, and if you really look into his eyes, you can see that they're empty. Um, and it was even worse talking to him, you know, because you can look at someone and they're you, when you're having a conversation, look them in the eye. And you can get a, a sense of, you know, um, generally uh, of, you know, who they are um, or what they're going to do or what they're about. And, you know, I know that's not the case for, for every person, and, but he was extremely uh, manipulative. Um, he was also a failure. Um, and he failed in school. He failed um as a husband he failed you know as a potential father um you know and even through this this whole process he's failed as trying to get away with it you know he's he's just one of those people that just thought that he was smarter than everyone else everyone else in the room and um ultimately was not and you can kind of see that as you read more and more of the details about him um you know even you know, going back to my experiences in the in the jail, is he would uh, he would manipulate other prisoners to get extra food trays. Um, I, I don't know how he did it. I don't know what it was that, that was about him that was um, so charismatic. But you know, um, the creep factor on on that guy was probably like a six. Uh, so you know, and a ten being like a Dahmer type. So. Uh, You know, it's up there, but it was because he was so manipulative and he could be anyone on the street and, you know, you you just wouldn't know.
1: Yeah, he doesn't look like. I know we say it all the time with like Ted Bundy and, you know, whoever else, but he just looks like a normal guy.
3: Yeah,
0: looking at him that way, but I also get what you're saying, Dad, like when you look at the picture of him where he's he's got to be in court there where it's got his prisoner thing on his vest he doesn't really look distraught or remorse he just looks bored
1: yeah or mad like mad he got caught
2: yeah i think that photo that you guys are looking at is him you know i think he's carrying the weight of about what you know what's about to happen with him Uh, at least that's what i see when when i see it but if you look at any other photos like some of the photos that they had of the of him in the media and, you know, him and his true nature uh, where he, he didn't have to shield it. I think that you would, you would see that, um, you know, the photos that they have there with, with him and, and Lori, you know, you can see um, that there's light in his eyes and, and that some, I, you know, I, I honestly don't know. I think uh, again, my own opinion is that he, he probably, held in school at some point in time did not want to disappoint lori uh created a lie and then they just kept piling up on one another and you know he talked about one small lie in the um in the statement that he gave his father um however it was not it was more than one small lie it was a pile of small lies led to one giant lie uh and then eventually a homicide because he did not want Um, And he did not want people to see him as a failure. Uh, That's why it started with Lori. He did confess to her. uh, And, you know, Amanda, you asked the question, well, why was he packing? Because his life was going to go on. He knew that his life would continue. He already knew what he had to do. And he was going to continue with the facade and, and, um, you know, eliminate the obstacle that was in front of him. And that's what he did.
1: Bryce, how long were they married?
0: I'm sorry to make you do um, that. Four or five, five years. They got married in '99, so five years,
1: and maybe like another year or two dating.
0: Well, they had been together a total of ten years because they met in '94. Oh,
1: That's even worse. I just can't imagine like this person being in your life for that long, and then you're just like, "Well, this is what I got to do." Goodbye. Ugh, yeah, I don't like it at all. And Uh, I can kind of see, too, like, I feel like the very first picture, his smile doesn't reach his eyes. Does that make sense?
0: It's forced. Yeah. But I feel like there was a documentary I watched. I watched it a while ago. I did these notes a really long time ago, by the way. Um, But... There was a documentary I watched and they actually showed him like on the media what my dad is referring to where like during that time frame before any of this happened, before he's in court, when he's making these public outcries to the media, I can see what my dad says where it's like, it's very, like my dad said, it's very, it feels like a forced emotion when you watch it. Like he's forcing himself to be distraught and worried.
1: Is it like he rehearsed it?
0: Almost, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think some of those, um, and if I recall, um, there was times that he would stand in the media um, with family behind him,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: you know he would be emotional, and you know it, it appeared to be genuine. Um, but you know, from you know, I'm a I'm a pessimist when it comes to this, and um, you know I, I I see that, and I say, well, his emotions are not for Lori. It's because. He knew darn well what he had done, and he sees he, he can see the walls starting to cl- close in, and he can feel it. And that's what that emotion's coming from. And is how is he, um, how is he gonna save face with his his family, um, you know, who are standing right there and supporting him? And you know, what are they gonna say? What are they gonna believe? Uh, how how am I gonna get out of this? And then once he does, and he's confessed, and he's there. Well, now I got to make them believe that I don't know why I did what I did, and I'm really not that person, and I'm going to be remorseful, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. While he's in jail, he's still the deviant, um, the deviant piece of trash that he is. And uh, you know, you can see that by, you know, actions speak louder than words. So, um, you know, all the things you talked about, Bryce, and all the things that he's doing in prison. it's 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 a shame that here's this man that says that uh, he wants to, you know, that he regrets what he did not you know, he wishes that he could bring it back yet. He just wants to put a candy bar in his belly uh, off of sharing the details of what he did.
1: And when you put it like that, that's that's eerie. When you word it like that. I mean, it's already eerie, but.
0: Yeah. he <sighs> Anyways, yeah, Uh, that was um, was a case, for sure.
3: I don't like it.
1: Okay,
0: well, that sucks for you. Are you ready to go (laughs) on to your story, though? Uh,
1: Yes, are y'all ready?
0: I'm ready. I have no idea what your story is.
1: Uh, Well, (laughs) remember when you were like, are you doing, what did you ask me if I was doing? Loch Ness Monster? I was (laughs) looking into that when I found this. Oh. You yeah, because really I think, excited. well, I think you have that.
0: Did we, I call dibs on the Loch Ness Monster? I don't remember. I, I don't know. Three. I called dibs on the Chupacabra.
1: I'm waiting for one. Oh. But I found this one when, when I was uh, watching like documentaries on. Ma'am,
0: you have dibs on the Loch Ness Monster.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I found this and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to do that. So we're going to talk about Edward Brian McCleary. I'm just going to assume you've never heard of him because I hadn't.
2: Was he a leprechaun?
0: Yes.
1: Oh, God, I should have done a leprechaun. God,
0: you should Oh, God,
1: I should have went back. I should have saved that one from episode one.
2: Well, you didn't. So continue.
1: <laughs> okay. So a newspaper called the Ocala Star Banner ran a story on March 26, 1962. And it's just like a little blurb in the middle of this big old newspaper. But basically, it was telling about five teenage boys from Fort Walton Beach, and they were going skin diving in the Gulf of Mexico when the tide swept their rubber raft out to sea. So they ended up abandoning the boat and trying to swim back the two miles to shore around dusk. And for those that don't know, skin diving or free diving is basically when you dive without an air tank. So you just have the mask, the snorkel. Sometimes you have a wetsuit. I believe they did. Uh, They had the flippers, but they didn't have air tanks. Count me out. So 16-year-old Edward McCleary, he was found asleep on the shore Sunday morning. And he told authorities as swells started to break over the the sides of the raft, they tried to moor to a buoy, but they missed. And McCleary also said that he, Bill, and Royal, they all got cramps while they were swimming back to shore and they were eventually separated when it got dark. The raft was found on Gulf Beach with the fins, masks, and shoes still inside of it, but still missing was 14 year old Bradford Rice, 16 year old Warren Felly, 16 year old Eric Royal, and 17 year old Larry Stewart Bill. Now they were going towards the USS Massachusetts little bit about that. It was commissioned the 10th of June in 1896. It was, you know, commissioned, decommissioned as we needed it for war. But it was indefinitely decommissioned the 31st of March, 1919. And it was deliberately sank on January 6th, 1921, about two miles off the coast of Pensacola. And it, I do have it a little star on that map to show you where it is. They eventually declared it property of Florida, and they turned it into an underwater archaeological preserve in June 1993, a hundred years after the ship launched. Now it's an artificial reef and a diving spot, and it's in a relatively shallow area. So when the tide is low, you can actually see the boat sticking up out of the water. And it's pretty popular. A lot of people fish around it. A lot of people dive it, you know, to do watery stuff, I guess.
0: Watery stuff.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, back home. I'm not going diving with a snorkel, but.
0: I'd have to be you. able to swim to do that, so.
1: And I never really liked the beach. It's whatever. It's there. Now, in May of 1965, uh, so three years later, McCleary actually wrote into Fate magazine, and they published his story from his perspective. And this account was drastically different from what the media said. McCleary said that that morning his friends came to his house, picked him up. The sky was blue, the ocean was calm. It's just a pretty day. And he remembered thinking, like, this is going to be a great day to go diving. So they make their way to Fort Pickens Park and they unloaded all their stuff and they set off towards the Massachusetts. While they were like rowing to it, they took turns paddling because they didn't want to get like paddle the two miles and then be tired and not be able to dive. While they were paddling, Edward said that he noticed, or one of the other boys noticed, that the ship was on their left, but when they had launched, it was on their right, so they were drifting, and they tried to make up for it by paddling, and it just seemed like they weren't really getting anywhere, and around this time, Edward said, or excuse me, McCleary said that he noticed like small white caps starting to form in the water, and there were gray clouds in the sky. And the wind had also picked up, and that was mainly what was pushing them out to sea. And McCleary said that they turned around and tried to row back to shore, but by that point, he described it as a thin green strip in the north, and it got harder to see every passing minute. I'm just going to tell you, a raft out on the ocean, and that's what you see, an inflatable raft, that's freaking terrifying to me.
0: Why? No just
1: hard pass on that yeah no not at all eric warren and mccleary they jumped into the water and they were kind of holding on to the back of the raft and kicking with their feet while larry and brad tried to row with the paddles but they said it didn't help the tide was just it was way or not the tide the current and the wind it was everything was working against them so they jumped back in and as they're floating out they pass this boat that's coming in and they're It said that it was, the waves were so rough at this point, it was hard to stand up, but they were like jumping up and down. They were waving their hands. They were yelling Mayday. And finally, McCleary said this elderly woman on the boat waved at them and they're like, oh, thank God. But she kept going. She didn't stop.
0: Well, that's just rude.
1: Yeah, it is very rude. I don't know what this elderly lady was doing that day, but the way I was raised. She was busy. Not that busy. The way I was raised, if you're that far out off the coast and you see a raft, you at least go check on them because they're probably in trouble. You don't go that far out on an inflatable raft. But unfortunately, the elderly woman did not do that. They noticed this buoy coming up and in a last ditch effort, they they come up with a plan. They're going to try to moor onto it. So McCleary throws their anchor at the buoy, but he said the waves were jostling the buoy so bad that it was creating a riptide because the waves were like, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It was jostling it so bad that it was about to come like unattached from the bottom. So it was leaning up and it was sucking the water underneath it. And then when the waves okay. pass, you know, it would wiggle like back and forth or topple. Now he said that he threw the anchor and before it even reached the buoy, the raft, got sucked into the riptide tide and was being dragged towards it. So all five boys just jumped. They just jumped into the ocean. And he said, right as they, right as he came up, the buoy just collapsed onto the raft, like fell onto it. And these buoys out in the ocean, they're like, it's not like a buoy at the the beat or uh, not like a buoy at like the at a lake. pond. Yeah, like right. a lake. Thank you. They're like. He said this one was like 20 feet tall. I believe it. Probably so. So it landed on the raft and the raft got sucked. Uh, sorry, landed on the raft. The raft got like pushed under the water. And it, when it popped up, they were able to dump it over, get all the water out of it. Because not only is it, the waves are crazy. It's raining at this point too. So they dump it over, get all the water out. They get back in and they're... Exhausted, they're freezing, they're terrified. And McCleary said that it got really foggy. And he said this is the first time in his life he's ever been truly terrified because he said it was so quiet. There were no waves, there were no fish jumping, no seagulls, nothing. It was just quiet. They couldn't see where they were because the fog was so thick. I believe he said he had about 25 feet visibility, which that's not Not a lot. lot. No. And They're trying not to freak out. So they ended up just smoking some cigarettes that they had with them that were luckily still, I guess they had them in like a Ziploc or something. They were still dry and just kind of talking to one another. And after a while, Larry, he was like, hold on, hold on. I think I heard a boat. And they all stop and they're listening. And he said that as they listened, they started to smell dead fish. And he said it was just, it was, it was almost overwhelming. Like, it was strong. It wasn't like a pogey plant in the distance or something.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't they... know what that plant is, by the way.
1: <laughs> so, pogie's a fish. It's like a bait fish. Oh, okay. Um, so, they heard a wave break, and it sounded like it was about 40 feet away. And they said that this wave was so big, when the ripples from it reached their raft, it splashed over the side. So they were like, "Uh, that's not a boat. What the hell was that? They heard another big splash and through the fog, they saw something that McCleary said looked like a telephone pole sticking out of the water about 10 feet with a bulb on top. And that first picture is what he drew. That's that's what he saw. That was his drawing. He said it stood straight up out of the water, but then it bent in the middle and dove back into the water. And he said when this happened, the smell got even worse.
0: Wait, I don't understand why the smell is getting worse when it's in the water. Is it getting closer?
1: Yeah, well, it's getting closer. And also it came out and, and then it like dove oh. in. So I'm assuming it like wafted itself. It like felt
0: like the downwind. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha.
1: He said that... After this, they heard a high-pitched whine through the fog, and they panicked. They lost it. He said they all jerked their fins onto their feet and jumped out of the boat into the water and swam as hard as they could towards what they hoped was the shore, because they couldn't even see. I don't understand why they got out of the boat. I'm assuming that's a panic thing. But I don't know. I don't get that part. I don't know. I'm not going to get in the water with it. I can tell you that.
0: I mean, unless they're trying to be a little snack for someone.
1: I guess. I mean, I guess it's better than just drifting out to sea.
3: They're sitting ducks.
0: Maybe they're like, there could be more out further in sea. We need to get closer to land so that we only have to deal with one instead of its whole family.
1: You know what? That's probably it. Like, this is the scout.
0: The rational thinking. Yeah. Gotcha.
2: It sounds more oh, yeah. like
3: uh, natural selection. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm
1: saying is couldn't be me. Not it. Not doing nope.
3: it. Not
0: jumping in water. Nope.
1: I'm not even getting in the raft to go two miles uh, out yeah. to
0: dive. I was going to say first mistake was getting in the raft.
1: Yeah. A boat? Okay. We can talk about this. A raft? Absolutely not. Nope. Okay, so as they're swimming, McCleary said he could feel like a current under the water. On top of the water was just patches of some kind of brown, crusty slime. But he said under the water, he could feel like a current. So he was like, excuse me. He was like, I guess I'm gonna follow this current. And he yelled at the other guys. He was like, hey, follow me. Everybody sit together. On top
0: of the water, he said there's a brown, crusty slime. Hmm. So he has to like. Is this around them? Oh yeah. Blech.
1: Yeah.
3: That's yeah.
2: That sounds like it's shark poop. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ugh. Ugh. No. It sounds like it's they're going to be shark bait to me.
0: Which will turn them eventually into shark poop. That's going to be them.
1: Oh wow! That's real fully. That's really full circle there, isn't it? Got
0: gotcha. you. Got gotcha you back. <laughs>
1: So he said, in the beginning, him and Eric were swimming together, and the other three boys were in a group behind them. And he said that the whole time they're swimming, they could still hear this creature splashing and hissing behind them. Okay. The the fog was starting to ease up, but the waters were getting rougher again, and it was starting to get dark fast. So he said, once again, it started to rain. So it's like on and off raining. But the boys, they just kept swimming. And he said they were cramping, they were freezing, and they were just swimming for their lives. Every now and then, they would yell at each other to make sure everyone was still accounted for. And after a while, McCleary said he heard a scream that lasted about 30 seconds. And then Warren started yelling, help me, it's got Brad. And he was was yelling to him, and in the middle of him yelling... They heard a short cry and then just silence. McCleary claims he yelled back and he got no answer before he noticed Larry was with them and he was swimming with him and Eric now. It's storming pretty bad and he said that the lightning would flash, which is... Now I'm terrified of being in the ocean and it's
0: lightning. I've terrified of that anyways because I feel like lightning, you typically have like winds and... Worse weather and rain. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to be on a boat in the open waters. Letters, oh, no. lightning and yeah, absolutely Have you not.
2: Ever seen the movie Open Water?
0: No, no. And I'm gonna keep it that way. No, just
1: but imagine. I would probably see it.
2: Just imagine being waiting. You're waiting in the water. You're by yourself. There's nothing to hold on to. No land in sight. That's what these guys are facing.
0: But okay, she, so like the game wrapped, like Amanda. The game raft, you know, when you're just swimming around and the shark is following you. Yep. Got you.
1: Only there's no boards that you can just (laughs) grab grab. and make a platform. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So still you and Dad, there's a game called Raft, and you live off on the water in a raft, and there's hardly any islands.
3: How is that a game?
0: (laughs) That's just fictional. It's a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Because I play it. I
2: played games. It was tag and. Football and video basketball.
0: game, dad. Video game ball on a stick.
2: <laughs>
0: what is that? Hoop and hoop and stick. <laughs>
1: Pick up sticks. We did that when I was a kid.
0: <laughs> Jacks. I remember Jacks. Bounce the ball, grab as many. <sighs> okay. I
3: don't think I ever played that. Okay.
0: You shut so. your filthy mouth. You've <laughs> never played Jacks. No, I don't think so. Surely I have. You had to have. Like, you had a ball, you would just throw it down. Like, you throw your little weird star-shaped jacks pieces, whatever they were, down. You'd bounce your ball, grab as many as you could, catch the ball.
2: Oh, those are those damn things I used to step on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the original Legos, yes. Oh,
1: those aren't even Legos. They're like freaking ninja stars or whatever. The things that you they throw behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why I know that.
2: See, those those are games. Swimming in the ocean and a beast, it seems. You're not,
0: I mean, listen, on the game raft, you're actually on a raft, but if you get in the water, there's going to be a shark that tries to eat you. Guaranteed. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and you know how I feel
3: about sharks, so. Why don't you enlighten us?
2: (laughs) What? Enlighten you?
0: Amanda doesn't know. I might know.
1: I have no idea. I'm assuming that you're not a fan.
2: Well, I, so I love, I am fascinated by sharks, but they, they terrify me.
3: Right. Oh, yeah.
2: When we went to, um, on our, our last cruise, it's been a while, but, um, Bryce's sister, Camille, I would not let her get in the water because there might be sharks in there. So,
0: um, oh. yeah. Fair. how, Hey, wait, how was that going to work when you guys were going to swim with dolphins?
2: The, well, when we were going to swim with dolphins, they were, like, in an enclosed area. Okay. Like a, imagine a, a football-sized swimming pool.
0: I know that, but it's also attached to, like, it might be closed off, but it's an open water. So you're still attached to the ocean. Um, it was Sharks really jump.
2: <laughs> you stop it, Amanda.
0: <laughs> they
1: do. Have you never watched
0: Shark Week?
2: That's great white sharks.
1: That's, That's a shark. So?
2: Yeah, but that, they're not in Florida.
1: How? Do, are you sure? No, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
0: either. Listen, this is why I haven't gone swimming with sharks. Because my dad won't let me.
2: Oh, so you're going to blame me.
0: <laughs> if I were to tell you right now, I'm going to go swim with sharks, what are you going to tell me?
2: I'm going to tell you no, you're not. Exactly. <laughs> but...
0: Well... Innocent until proven guilty. And then <laughs>
2: well, you confessed. You might, you might know what I might say, but I've never had the opportunity to tell you no.
0: I'm but pretty I, sure we've had this conversation and you told me no.
2: The only thing that I told you no was on some of the earliest episodes that I listened to that uh, it was you and Amanda and what was the other young okay. lady's Free. name? Free. We were talking about uh, going on a some of these haunted places and i was like oh hell no you're not
0: Hey, but i'm saying before outside of the podcast i am fairly certain we had a family dinner and the topic of like swimming in a cage with sharks came up and you told everyone absolutely not i would do that i see it's,
1: i got a cage
2: you would do that is that what? You oh do? yeah i would
0: do it absolutely in a yeah. heartbeat mm-hmm.
2: well i i don't know your father at all but I'm going to step in and say no you're not
1: <laughs> he would probably tell me that that's the, one of the dumbest things I've ever told him yeah <laughs> okay so let me let, let me get back to my story or we're going to keep talking about sharks so it's storming pretty bad the lightning would flash and give him occasional visibility uh, and that's when McCleary all of a sudden he realized that Larry is gone and he asked eric and eric said that he was just with them before they disappeared so they tried to like dive around a little bit i guess hoping he was still close to the surface he tried to dive around and they couldn't find him and eventually they had to begrudgingly just give up and keep going so he said that they were still swimming towards the shore when eric went under and he saw eric go under so he swam over to him and he pulled him back up to the top. And Eric said that his, the cramps were just so bad at this point. Like he, could, he couldn't he could do it anymore. So he, McCleary, threw Eric's arm over his neck and was now swimming with both of them. Which is... I don't oh, even wow. know how that... I, I can't swim. I dog, I struggle. Okay. I don't even know how you can swim with another person. Right. He said that after they were... Or he was swimming for what felt like hours. He was understandably exhausted and he was about to give up when the lightning flashed and he saw the silhouette of the Massachusetts sticking up out of the water and this kind of gave him like a second wind and he's telling Eric he's like hey there's the ship come on we're almost there we're almost there we can do this we can make this when a wave crashes onto them and pulls them both underwater so when he comes up he's looking around for Eric and finally he sees him Eric i guess had also gotten a second wind And he was already swimming, so McCleary started swimming after him. And then he said no
3: man left behind. Eric was like, bye.
1: I mean, I really don't know what to do (laughs) what to do in this situation. Like they've been swimming for God knows how long.
3: Right.
1: Uh he he saw Eric swimming towards the ship. And right next to Eric, he saw the creature surface. He said that he could make out the long neck and two small green eyes. And he saw the mouth open and watched it bend in half and dive on Eric, taking him underwater with it. And McCleary, understandably, freaked the F out and swam right past the ship. He said he kind of just blacked out. He didn't know where he was going, but he was just panicking. And he said... After a while, he kind of woke up after being washed up on the beach. And he said that he saw the lights of Pensacola in the distance, but he had no idea where he was. It's still dark. And for anybody that's never been, like, on the coast or whatever, on these beaches, there's no lights. There's nothing. If there's, like, if it's cloudy, there's no moon. You can't see Jack. It's terrifying. And oddly peaceful. So he finds... What we later find out is an old gun emplacement, and he describes it as a tower with, like, a cabin at the top. So he climbs up in it, and he goes to sleep. And he said that all night he heard voices that weren't there. And eventually in the morning, he wakes up, and he tries to climb down, but he just falls and gets, like, a face full of sand. And there were these boys that ran over to him and they were like, "Hey, are you one of the missing divers?" And he's able to tell them that he was and he needed help before he passed out again. And this time he woke up at the Pensacola Naval Base. Now, he was picked up by a helicopter at about 7:45 in the morning near Fort McRae, which is also on that map, and the raft was found 10 miles away from where he was found. E.E. E. McGovern, he was the director of search and rescue at the time and he visited uh mccleary in the hospital he told mccleary that they had planes out all morning and they checked the beaches but they did not find the other boys and mccleary told him his story and he asked if he believed him and mcgovern allegedly told him you know son the sea has a lot of secrets there are a lot of things we don't know about people don't believe these things because they're afraid to yes i believe you but there's not much else i can do McCleary suffered from shock and exposure and a self-proclaimed sore throat from the seawater. He said when he woke up, there was breakfast sitting in front of him, but he couldn't even eat it because his throat hurt so bad. He was released to his parents after a brief treatment. And reports differ on how far McCleary drifted. One news article claimed that he drifted and swam more than two miles. The Coast Guard and the Navy Rescue estimated that it was five miles. and. Doctors at the naval base that treated him believed that he had been in the water for over 12 hours. Way too long. Yes. Warren Felly, Eric Royal, and Larry Stewart Bill were never found. One body did wash ashore about a week after the incident, and McCleary said, to the best of his knowledge, he identified it as Bradford Rice. Fate magazine ended the article by saying that McCleary had a nervous breakdown, but he recovered and he was able to resume his life three months after. He went on to have a pretty normal life. He got married and he had at least one son. He passed away February 24th, 2016. The sea monster is referred to as the Pensacola plesiosaur or the Pensacola serpent. A lot of people believe that McCleary killed his four friends and just got away with murder with the worst excuse ever but police
3: like he just made himself super sick i guess
0: um because like i guess maybe not sick but if he's being treated and doctors are saying that he was exposed to this water for 12 hours that's a pretty significant medical determination
1: Like, I'm pretty sure they can tell, like... Because, for one, I didn't hear them mention sunscreen, okay? So, and plus, uh, I imagine you could potentially get sick from the wind and the rain.
0: Right.
1: There's just... I mean, he hasn't ate in God knows how long. I'm pretty sure they can tell, like, hey. Um, but the police, they... They didn't even really investigate it because they were thinking there's no way that this 16-year-old would be able to murder four of his peers close to his age in an inflatable raft one by one like no. what are yeah what are the odds that they're not just going to defend themselves in some way shape or form um other people believe it to have been a north atlantic right whale and apparently the coastal waters off of florida and georgia are known uh, They're the only known calving area for the whales and the calving season, calving, I hate that word, calving there, season, is September to April. These whales look freaky when they come up to feed. I had a video. I did not upload it. Um, yeah, I suck.
0: Um, um, I could have told you that, but it's fine. It's okay. Uh, I mean, I can see that that coming up to feed might look like a a little bit of a sea serpent.
1: Yeah, um, but the only thing is, it does not match his His description. uh, Not at all. The picture he drew, not even close. Um, There's another picture I'm about to upload whenever I get to the right place. And it's just a picture that shows where the calving season is for these whales. And the only problem is if you look at your map, this is close to Pensacola, which is on the far right. Nope. Which is on the far left of Florida, close to Alabama.
3: Okay. The calving area, the
1: waters, uh, is on the polar opposite, close to Georgia and Florida, that coast. On the like way around the peninsula of Florida. All of that. Opposite side of the freaking map over there. So it's on
0: the east side. Whereas everything happened on the west side.
1: Never eat shredded wheat. Accurate.
0: It's never (laughs) eat soggy waffles.
1: Ew. (laughs) That's disgusting.
0: That's why you never eat soggy waffles.
1: You were going to say shredded wheat.
0: (laughs) I thought I said shredded wheat.
1: Yeah. How about sour watermelon?
2: That's actually
3: pretty good.
1: Sour <laughs> watermelon? But it's bad. It's rancid. It's
2: not. It's sour. Did you t- upload your picture?
0: I'm
1: doing it. It's right <laughs> oh, there. Hot damn.
2: <laughs> I'm still trying to understand why they wouldn't believe that this was a crime as opposed to you know, some monster.
0: Because because as one 16-year-old against four others
1: yeah, two, it's one 16-year-old against two 16-year-olds, a 17-year-old, and a 14-year-old.
2: What if, because um, they were all on a boat, right, at some point? Or
0: on a raft. On yeah. a raft. Mm-hmm. So
2: one 16-year-old could take all these people by surprise, either while they're sleeping or distracted or whatever the case may be. I guess uh, The as-
0: father just doesn't want to believe in the sea serpent that you're talking about.
2: I'm having a hard time believing in, in the sea serpent. Yes.
0: Well, I assume
1: that if he, I don't know how um, probable it is that one person could take out four people, but I, I assume he what. would have some kind of mark or scratch on him, right?
2: So, so let's let's just be clear about what the argument is here. Is mm-hmm. I. I am saying that I'm having a hard time leaving in a sea serpent. And your argument is <laughs> that it's more probable that it's a sea serpent. than <laughs> A human being committing a crime.
1: Yes.
2: I'm yes. just going to clarify. A little
1: bit. Yes. That's the stance I'm taking.
2: Okay.
0: All right. <laughs> okay. Dad, let's just, let's put you in this 16 year old shoes. How how are you going to take out four Lippers. other...
2: In oh, <laughs> Layout of the boat. I don't know what took it's place. It's just a small
1: know.
0: inflatable raft, right?
2: Okay. Well,
1: it was a... It, they said it was like a seven-foot raft. It was like a... I think a Coast Guard raft or something like but that. Still but really, it's still it's a really raft. Small. Yeah. It's not okay. a boat.
2: So, you know, imagine a raft. You can't really stand up in it, right? Correct. So maybe there's an argument that takes place. I would imagine that they have tools and knives and that type of stuff. Correct?
1: I know they at least had um, like the the gun for sharks that shoot the...
0: The harpoons?
2: Now we're getting somewhere. (laughs) So, an argument takes place. One person gets thrown off a boat. One person is paralyzed with fear, doesn't know what's going on a fight ensues, that person goes off the boat, and the other one's harpooned.
3: Wow. But I just just solved this crime.
1: All I heard was circumstantial evidence.
2: (laughs) Okay. Circumstantial. Well, let's continue with the (laughs) notion. Go ahead. I'm I'm waiting. I want to hear what other than shit in the water (laughs) I'm just saying. It could have been shark poop, right? We talked about that. Yeah. It could have been. Right?
1: It had what? Oh, no. They found uh, one body, but that I also thought was weird while they got McCleary to identify him instead of maybe his family.
0: So, question, on the body they did find, was it, I mean, was there any indication of any attack
1: on him? I found absolutely nothing. I could not find an autopsy report. I couldn't find anything. So this
2: very well could have... What? I said things that make you go, hmm.
1: But then, like, they found it a week later in... Waters that have sharks, have crabs, have, you know, animals that are going to eat off of this, not to mention the fact that water is going to break down a body pretty, you know, it expedites it a little, right. I, I believe.
0: Well, it, it's interesting that there's no, like, easily, because if there was a creature trying to eat him, you would expect that he would have some sort of, like, very clear injuries to his corpse. Mm-hmm. So is it possible that these four got lost at sea and what's the guy that lived what's his name again? McCleary? Not McCleary? McCleary. Yeah you're right. McCleary because it's a traumatizing event he's kind of his brains making ways to justify the things that happened and him making it out versus the others not.
3: Like a psychological thing. Yeah. I could see that happening.
1: A, A lot of other people think like that it was purely just, it could have been this whale. It could have just been them panicking out on the right. ocean in the pitch black. Like, your mind messes with you in situations. Like, have you ever sat in a dark right. room doing nothing? It's terrifying.
0: Yeah. Have you ever sat in a dark room and seen shadows? Yeah, every day.
1: Yeah, all the time. Have you ever sat in a dark room and saw a clown face in your mirror on the baby monitor? Yeah. <laughs> a
2: dark room. This is really for Bryce. How do you see a shadow? You need Uh, light to cast a shadow.
0: Yeah, that's the creepy part. Is it's just a black mass moving across the. That's a shadow person.
2: Yeah. Oh my god, I am rolling my eyes.
0: Get your shit together, Dad.
2: (laughs) You're right. I'll just (laughs) stay afraid of leprechauns. That's that's it.
0: Speaking of leprechauns, Dad, uh, you should definitely go to the circus.
2: No.
3: I'm just kidding. Oh, no, I forgot to tell you
1: there was a leprechaun riding the serpent. Oh, yeah. And giggling wow. profusely.
2: <laughs> See, I told you the word evil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Someone made a wish for this serpent, and the leprechaun was just doing what they said, okay? Ha ha. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
3: Uh, well, do you
2: have any more, Amanda, or was that the
1: end? No, that was the end.
2: <laughs> I find that very very interesting. Or from, because, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that type of stuff, which I've told Bryce before. Not that I don't... And he believe. tells
0: me ghost stories.
2: Oh, I've got some ghost stories.
0: <laughs> That's another episode. Okay.
2: I uh, It's not that I don't believe in the paranormal. I think some of this stuff like bryce you're gonna you guys talked about like the chupacabra and that type of stuff like i'm going uh that's a rabid possum so i'm not sure that i can believe in that
1: wait a rabbit possum or a rabid
2: rabid possum have you ever seen a possum they look evil possums just look like
0: i can agree with that possums are creepy
1: if it wasn't illegal, I would have brought a possum home from work and let it loose in my backyard because they eat a lot of bad things. What They're pest control. the hell
3: yeah. is the
2: matter with you?
3: I don't like snakes
1: or bugs.
2: So you're going to let a rabid possum out in your yard?
1: Well, not a rabid. Okay, what's a rabid possum? Because they can't get uh, that thing, rabies.
2: Possums can't get rabies? No. Mm, I'm calling BS.
1: You can call whoever you want, but (laughs) they don't.
0: (laughs) Possums get rabies. Look, it's it's, uh, first thing on Google says no. According to three sources.
2: Google's wrong.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm
1: sorry. Correction. This is Bing. I hate Bing. Bing is probably wrong. See, That's how much I hate Bing. I'm calling it on my own defense.
2: There you go. Can well, possums
0: get rabies?
2: So so Amanda, let me go back to this story. Just
0: Hold on, this, hold on. Just to clarify, Google says it is possible for them to get rabies, but it's extremely rare.
2: Thank you. Alright. Okay. That's <laughs> why that's why they're the chupacabra, because it's very rare that you see
1: them. Damn, okay, I can't argue with that. <laughs> the logic.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um with the When you were talking about the sea monster, was there ever any other accounts for this other than this one event?
3: Oh,
1: Uh, I don't believe so. No. And I will go ahead and say, too, there's not much out there on this event. It's pretty much that story, the couple news articles and the story in Fate magazine just repeated over and over and over again because... This isn't looking well on my defense, but I'm going to be honest. Uh, McCleary did not want to talk about it. Now, he would reach out to, like, paranormal stuff, um, but he didn't really ever talk about it, I guess, openly, publicly, much.
2: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: Are you saying he didn't want to get caught, Dad?
2: Uh, I'm just saying there's maybe more to it. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I just think if there's one body that's found the, the idea that a shark wouldn't attack it or anything is extremely plausible especially if they were dead when they entered the water because they're not splashing and doing they're anything not. that would create attention to them so there's no way for a shark to really know. They're not just randomly exploring this unless they They're can. not
0: scavengers
2: Right, so they they wouldn't do it and other fish, once a body hits a certain, you know, rate of decomposition, they're, they're not going to touch it anyway. So, uh, you know, I, I'm i just looking at it from a logical perspective. Uh, doesn't mean that something wasn't seen, but, uh, you know, it, it is, there's some, there's some things that in that, that story that make me go, that's weird. Like the waving of the old lady and. Why? What was the significance of that? Um,
0: but that's the part of why I think like is this his mind making rationalizations of what happened when it was really just a traumatic event? Like, did he think he saw someone that could help that just was like bye? Um, or like was there someone really there?
2: And then there's another piece to that where you know, uh, and Amanda, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said that they he was he saw it take down another one and he started swimming right past the boat correct yeah so i am just you know from trying to put myself in in that and and obviously it's difficult when you're not under some trauma but uh, i i find it very difficult to believe that there's a boat right there you see something in the water that's a threat and your body goes into fight or flight and you're fleeing from it, and you go by the one piece, one area that you would be safe. And just because you know you're not going to outswim that thing, regardless of how traumatized you are, your body knows you're not going to be able to outswim that.
1: So I attributed, would, sorry, go ahead.
2: You're just going to try and get out of the water, is what, what I would imagine.
1: See, I attributed that to, and this is just me trying to make sense of it because he didn't really explain it. He just said that he swam right past it. Uh, my guess was there's just a piece of that boat sticking out of the water. So he could have thought, I just saw that thing take my friend down. I'm not going to be safe there. I need to try to get to land. That's the only way I'm going
0: to get away from it. Because it's this. a sunken ship, right?
1: Yeah. And there was only, um, I think he said it was, I'm trying to look it up so I'm not unintentionally lying. But there was only like a piece of the... Hull, I think, sticking out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, and I, I still think that even under those circumstances, if that's the case, and I, I would think, and obviously I'm not there, and I don't know anything, but I would say that if he feels, how far from land was he?
1: At least two miles. That's the part they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and when he
0: saw this ship, it could have he could have been closer because they had already been swimming.
2: Right. Yeah. And I feel yeah.
1: like. The ship itself is two miles from land.
2: Yeah. So I, I just feel like a two mile swim versus, you know, your chances, even on a hull, even to hide, you know, to get, maybe not get out of the water, but to hide or, or, you know, get higher ground. To, hey, where's the threat? Where is it? Um, seems to me like that would be a better option or hell, even. Just not swim away and and face the threat and fight, you know. Seem you know better to me, but I, I don't know. That's why I have a hard time going. Yeah, he he's probably the sea monster, but um.
1: <laughs> see the whole thing seems weird to me. Right up until the point where they jump off the boat, the raft, because yeah. I'm not. I mean, maybe they lost their oars. Uh, pretty sure oars paddle. I don't know about in the, I mean, float. I don't know about in the 60s. They could have been different, but I'm just going to assume they float, but
2: Well, if yeah. it's Or they were a murder weapon. So let them disappear.
1: <laughs> or they were a murder weapon. I see what you did there.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like the thought of the uh, Pensacola, the serpent, the plesiosaur, whatever you want to call it no i just like the thought of it and it's also creepy to me because we don't know much about the oceans we have no idea what's down there
2: uh, that i would definitely agree with you i i see articles all the time of new species or pictures of these weird fish and so you know from that i i couldn't argue with you that's who knows what's down there
3: uh-uh. but,
2: but then again on in that area of the world i don't think the ocean is as deep as it is like in the Atlantic and um
3: Right
2: out in the Pacific.
1: I don't know. Anytime I've been out there, I have specifically not asked.
0: You haven't tried to dive to the bottom?
1: Absolutely not. There's sharks and dolphins <laughs> and crabs and
2: Well dolphins are awesome. They're our buddies.
0: No, okay. Dolphins no, are, are not. not...
1: Dolphins no. are not. You, you have not heard enough stories of <laughs> dolphins, my friend.
2: Dolphins, do are dolphins are
1: sadistic. Dolphins
0: yes. are evil. Yes.
2: Oh yes, oh, they are. are evil. But leprechauns are not.
0: Leprechauns <laughs> grant wishes, I
2: don't and or
0: crackheads.
2: Them. I cannot take <laughs> you too serious anymore.
0: Okay. <laughs> dolphins are uh, are sexual predators. That's oh, what. Jesus, yes.
2: Maddie and Joseph. I, I don't think so. I, I think so. Oh God.
0: Um. I can't um, remember.
2: I need to go open a cerveza just to get through <laughs> what you two are talking
1: about. They are sadistic sexual predators.
0: They're awful. I'm yeah. just happy you're approving me to swim with them in December, so.
2: Yeah, it, you can swim with the dolphins. You have my blessing.
0: <laughs> you live <Okay>. your life. <laughs> I'll let you know how the experience goes, Amanda. <laughs>
1: I've driven a boat with them in the ocean. I'm good. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter at Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can also find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support us, please please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or words of encouragement, please email us email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening and bye! Bye! Dad said bye.
2: Bye.